0: Well, hello, Partnerscapes podcast listeners. With us today is Heather Johnson, the Regional Chief of the Partners for Fish and Wildlife Program in the Mountain Prairie region. For those not familiar with the Partners for Fish and Wildlife Program, that is the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service's Voluntary Private Lands Habitat Restoration Program. Heather has worked in the Partners for Fish and Wildlife Program for the past 18 years of her career and has been with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for over 33 years. She has worked in multiple programs across the country, all associated with community-based collaborative partnerships. Uh, Heather spent over 10 years in Alaska, then went to Washington, DC to work in international affairs and taught partnership and outreach courses at the National Conservation Training Center, all before coming to the Denver Regional Office to manage the Partners for Fish and Wildlife program for the region. Heather received her Associate of Science degree at Northwest College in Wyoming, and her bachelor's at the University of Montana studying first agriculture agriculture, and then wildlife biology. Heather was born and raised in Laramie, Wyoming, where her family are third-generation Wyomingites. She is retiring at the end of June of this year to return to Laramie to be close to the family. Welcome, Heather, and thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Well, thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here today
0: great well it certainly sounds uh sounds like you've worked a long time in this area of voluntary uh, conservation partnerships uh you know how even going back before maybe before your uh your academic training what what is your experience in working with partnerships related to conservation and agriculture with communities
1: well thank you steve yeah you know being born and raised in wyoming Um, I just grew up with a family that was always about community. You know, my mom was really active in the community. Um, You know, she was a house of representatives for a few terms in Wyoming. Um, She ran a downtown clinic. And so I just kind of grew up in a world where collaboration and working with communities was you know how i grew up and then moved to dubois wyoming and you know worked really collaboratively um with agriculture and the communities there and then of course you know starting in alaska with the u.s fish and wildlife service you know working with alaska native communities and then working in international affairs you know traveling around a you know wide variety of places in in the world and you know working with Um, communities and collaborative efforts in in that capacity as well. And then, of course, at the National Conservation Training Center, you know, teaching people, you know, through our coursework, you know, with uh, partnerships and also outreach and communication and and now, you know, of course, the last 18 years of my career working in the Partners for Fish and Wildlife program, working collaboratively with uh, landowners and our, our conservation, our mutual conservation partners. So, yeah, it's pretty much a, a lifestyle for me <laughs> since I was a little girl. Well, <laughs> so
0: that's that's awesome. So I I know you've been in it with, you've been in it so long that uh, you would not still be doing it if you didn't find it enjoyable and fulfilling but what do you what do you think is most fulfilling about this approach to conservation work for you you know for sure
1: it's the people I've and it's just so much fun you know being engaged with these communities you know in my current capacity with the partners program just being able to get out on the land I'm with those landowners and you know really make win-win solutions you know for those families you know drive around the pickup truck and and just to think about those things that, you know, well, what can we do to really help you stay on the land To be able to think about not only this generation, but the generations to come and, and you know, really put that together, you know, voluntary conservation, you know, where it's a win-win for, yes, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, but the things that we're doing on the land are, are helping that family as well. And just to watch the, the whole family kind of light up, you know, like, gosh, you know, we we had this grassland Um And now, you know, we want to get it back in in its, you know, best state that it can possibly be. And, you know, some of these wetlands were drained. We thought that was something that we should do back in the day. Now we miss the birds and then go out there and do that native seed planting, put in those wetlands. And then all of a sudden, you know, build it and they will come. And all of a sudden the birds start flying in and, you know, people say, oh my gosh, this is so exciting because, Um, We missed it. We didn't realize how much we missed waking up in the morning and hearing the birds sing and the geese and the ducks, you know, flying in and, you know, really making that uh, connection to the wildlife, but also, you know, helping them with their bottom line. And, you know, so it's just so fun to be out there with these communities and, and, you know, working with the people and then all our mutual partners and getting to know all of them. So being the people person that I am, nothing makes me happier than being able to get out there and see great projects on the ground, but also seeing win-win solutions for those families as well. You
0: know, that's, that's awesome. And I've, I've known you for a while. I know you're a very much a people person. One question that sort of a follow-up to that, to that, you know, uh, you talked a little bit about your, your background and, and we talked a little bit about your uh, academic training in the introduction, but did you, you know, do you feel like it was mostly a Uh, your, your personality that, that, that got you uh, so interested in, in voluntary conservation or, or, you know, did you, were you exposed to anything in your, in your pure academic training and natural resources at the collegiate level that, that touched on this part of conservation at all that you remember?
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, not enough, you know, nowadays I think I see more of that, you know, where they really are realizing that, You know, you can't just go into a wildlife biology program and teach, you know, about critters and, you know, being able to be sort of, you know, book smart, if you will, that it's so important to learn that, that people side of things, the partnerships, you know, the human dimensions and, you know, collaborative conservation. And so I see universities doing a better job of teaching a little bit more of that now um, than when, when I was in school. And so you know, I think it's really the combination, you know, you, you really do, when you drive through that gate, you know, in the work that I do in the Partners for Fish and Wildlife program, you know, people saying, well, what do you think, you know, how can you help us, and so you really do have to have that acad- academic background and know, know your stuff, you know, and I think, um, you know, for me, having that combination of an ag degree and a wildlife degree was really great, sometimes people have more of an influence on that agriculture than the wildlife, or or range management. So all that is really important, you know, to, um, you know, know your stuff. But on the other side of that is, you know, really knowing people. And some of that can not be taught in an academic institution. It has to be boots on the ground. You got to get a little dirt under your fingernails. You know, you got to shadow people. You got to be curious and ask a lot of questions and be humble enough to say, I don't know, and reach out to those people that do and, and constantly be learning and look to those things that, can be replicated in the transferability of those good ideas and just be a sponge and continually be, um, be learning and growing and, and, you know, not being um, so proud that you can't say, geez, I, I might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. You, uh, you, uh, uh i certainly, uh, uh, learn that, that that's a useful skill, not just in your professional life, but in your personal yeah. life as well. After 30 years of marriage this month, so uh, <laughs>
1: for sure, Steve. <laughs> you
0: you so you work for a, for an organization or an agency that has both regulatory and these voluntary conservation functions, uh, and I know you spend most of your time in the voluntary side. But w- what are some of the differences you've observed and how? Approaches, how both approaches are implemented, and the types of personalities that that tend to uh, be attracted to each or stick with each over the over the life of a career.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question, Steve. And you know, the Fish and Wildlife Service is a small agency. When you look at the Department of Interior, we're we're a relatively small agency. But what's so interesting about that is we have so many different mandates under our you know under our under our tent. You know, we've got the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, we've got uh, Endangered Species Act, National Wildlife Refuge System, Partners Program, Coastal Program, Fisheries, Fish Hatcheries, you know, so it's really a diverse agency. So because of that, we kind of have cultures within cultures, actually. And so, you know, my philosophy is, you know, be be the best that you can be as, at what you signed up for. You know, let's really capitalize on people's strengths. And that's where I see people being the very most successful, you know, is really capitalizing, you know, on those strengths and bringing the right people in for those right, for those right fits within the agency. And so it comes down to, you know, in that hiring capacity, you know, asking the right questions and making sure that we set people up for success. And then when we put them into that position, you know, allowing them to be 100% of who they are. One hundred percent of the time. So where I see things get a little um, tweaky is that you know, when you sign somebody up, and it's like, you know, yeah, that's what I love doing. I love, you know, the regulatory side, and I want to learn everything about policy and, you know, regulations. And then, the, you know, you're asking them to maybe fifty percent of their time be in a collaborative capacity, work with communities. And sometimes I think that's really hard. You know, it's, it's best. What I see is the most successful is you have all these different mandates then put people in the positions that they're absolutely best at and capitalize on their strengths and then let them be truly 100% of who they are 100% of the time. So for me, like in this region, I try to, in the partners program, put those people directly in their communities because the folks that are in the partners program, that is what they do. Collaborative conservation, work with private landowners, voluntary conservation and restoration enhancement. So when we can put them in that community, and have them, you know, twenty four seven, you know, working with those communities and being completely immersed in that, and being a, tw- you know, hundred percent of who they are, hundred percent of the time, working with those communities collaboratively. That's when it really works the best. But we also recognize that we do have that regulatory regulatory side of our agency, and that's important too. So um, yeah, it's a really great question, Steve. Well,
0: thanks, Heather. And this is, uh, this will make a good follow up, I think. So you've obviously spent a a great deal of time leading a team of professionals uh, implementing voluntary conservation with landowners and communities across a big chunk of the West. And, and you've spent a lot of time thinking about it. I know from conversations that we've, that we've had as in addition to this, to this uh, podcast that we're working on today, but sometimes what what we hear at Partnerscapes uh, as we go around the country and talk about successes or pilot projects or, whatever you want to call it is well uh where you're talking about my landowners are not like that my landowners are different and and unique so i mean just in your experience uh working across all the states that you do in the great plains and rocky mountains uh what's your thought on that are, are landowners uh more similar uh in the context in which you and your team work with them or or, or are they really different all over the place
1: you know, um, my experience is that people, landowners, you know, tend to be a lot more similar than they are different, you know? I mean, essentially, you know, these families, you know, it's just like, you know, they love their families first, you know? They love their land, absolutely love their land, right. <clears throat> and they love their, they love their livestock, and, and they love the wildlife that comes through their land, you know? These people tend to be you know, independent and um, very hardworking, passionate, compassionate folks, you know, with just a a lot of, you know, respect for, you know, their neighbors. And um, so I really find that people tend to be generally the same uh, across the whole United States. You know, these landowners are um, just, you know, awesome, awesome, you know, family-oriented folks that just, um, you know, they just are honest and, you know, communicators, it's, it's really wonderful. And so I think sometimes when we run into somebody that says, ah, my landowners aren't like your landowners, you know, I think, you know, whenever I run into a situation like that, I, I kind of stop them because we have, you know, what we call our cornerstones in the partners program, you know, we look at, you know, trust and, and respect and honesty, you know, and flexibility and two-way communication. And then when we're out in these communities for Years and years, some of the folks that are working for us for 30 years, you know, it, it's friendship, too. I mean, we have really deep friendships. And whenever somebody says, eh, you know, I, I, I guess my landowners, I don't have landowners like you have because I'm not having that experience. It's like, well, you might want to come back to the cornerstones and look within yourself and say, maybe one of these things broke down for me. <laughs> <laughs> because my experience is these landowners all across the United States uh, are, are a lot more similar than they are different and they're just outstanding people that I have loved working with all across this country so yeah
0: well and I know from uh, from experience that uh, that that there are a number of landowners that that uh, thoroughly enjoy you and your and your team and the work that you've been able to do together so thank thank you very much for for all that you've done and continue to do uh, so a little peek behind the the curtain I know that you, you've you spent you know I don't know how many uh, uh, hiring panels you've participated in when it comes to voluntary conservation but I, I'm sure it's a it's a lot so so what do you what sort of uh, things are you looking for when you're trying to decide uh, to add a person to your to your team over and above the you know the basic technical skills The technical skills of that that we all learned uh, in wildlife uh, ecology training. What are some of the things that that you've looked for over the years?
1: Yeah, you know, it's uh, I always take the time to sit and think about what can be what you can teach somebody. You know, at a course at NCTC, or you know, have them go participate in. You know, what is a learned skill and what's an inherent skill that somebody really must have you know, coming into the program. And I think, you know, some of the things that, you know, I really look for right out of the shoot are, you know, those strong communication skills, you know, really a uh, positive uh, people that um, have flexibility and, you know, are really great with a broad group of people, you know, really honest, you know, integrity, you know, being core values for them and, and comfortable with a, a broad group of people to be able to, you know, drive through the, front gate, sit down at the kitchen table and and have a conversation with somebody and be a really good listener first. You know, some of the things, you know, th- that are really important are, you know, just being, you know, very patient and, and flexible and not being in a hurry to, you know, shove through whatever it is you want to be trying to get done, you know, and just being really easygoing, you know, it's important just to kind of be a, a, a country folk, you know, that can really sit at the kitchen table and drive around in a pickup truck and, and not be an eight to fiver, you know, we, we really look at that if we're looking at references, you know, is this the person that's, you know, going to be looking at their watch all day and, you know, well, got to run, you know, and it's like, oh, well, we get up really early in the morning here. <laughs> <laughs> so eight o'clock, you know, we're, we're uh, we, we've had a four hour day already under our belt. And so being willing to be flexible with that landowner in terms of, you know, when they uh, would like to come out to the ranch and then they might've planned on two hours and there they are 10 hours later. And they're looking at three or four different projects and uh, maybe something, somebody needs help at the ranch, you know, so they're like, well, heck, while I'm out here, you know, i I'd, I'd love to pitch in. And so somebody like that that really um, comes with those communication skills and the, and the passion for you know what we what we do together you know a, a, as a community and really caring about that family and that ranch first not just about is this going to help me with my habitat outcomes leading to a biological outcome you know then I sort of look at yeah you know I want you know them to have a background. You know and really understand agriculture and and really understand wildlife biology and then some of the restoration techniques we can we can teach them that i can teach somebody how to do a ditch plug i can teach somebody how to do a, a z dike structure and go to Rosgen training and learn how to do pools riffles and runs and and put in rock structure you know those are the kind of things but it has to start with the that um you know, that communication side of things first to, to really be able to be successful at the job. So yeah, that's a, something that I look at strongly. And I think it comes down to some of those questions that we ask. You know, many times I look at some of the questions, I like, well, if those are your interview questions, I can see how this person would shine to the top. But if you didn't ask the right questions first, you're not gonna get at some of those types of things that are inherently the core of what we really need to be successful at collaborative conservation, and, and particularly when we're looking at, you know, staying in a community for maybe our entire career, which you know many of our partners, folks, they, you know, we still have some of the original folks. Mm-hmm. We're celebrating our 35th anniversary, and we have people that have been here since the beginning. So it's wow. pretty exciting.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, I. <sighs> back when i was a, a hiring supervisor in a for a wildlife agency it was the trend was beginning and i know it's only it's only uh it's only accelerated just because of 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 the fact that we're increasingly at least up until the pandemic we were increasingly becoming a more urban society with more of our of the potential workforce growing up uh, not not in a rural community and not not in a working landscape, but just numbers-wise, uh, more people growing up in in more an uh, environment more uh, disconnected from from the landscapes where where a lot of partners, biologists, and others in voluntary conservation spend a great deal of of their time. And so, I guess if if uh, if you were making a recommendation to some to to, to folks that that did not have the 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 experience the uh, the the community rural experience that you had growing up specifically what what kind of academic training and or experience experiential learning or internships would you recommend for, for those young people that really you know they may be great communicators they've got a passion for people but they they uh, they may be uh, not as familiar with with the, with the culture of working landscapes, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, so I do think, you know, some of the universities are doing a, a little bit better with, you know, maybe some practicums, things where they can actually get out while they're in school to learn some of that, but then a lot of it is just going to be uh, really getting out there and um, being curious and and not being afraid to ask the questions and, and do the shadows. You know, there's a lot of great people that, spent their you know life studying and working in the field of collaborative conservation and working with private landowners and if they see somebody with potential you know that they are that personality from the beginning and they're just like you might not have come you know solidly from this type of a background but i can see that that you really love that type of work and you would be great at it so Come along, you know, (laughs) and I see that and I love that. I love when people can get out and, you know, really try to do some, you know, one on one, hands on, you know, getting some dirt under the fingernails and then even, you know, just knocking on the door and not being afraid to ask, you know, landowner if you build that trust um, right out of the chute to say, well, can I come out and and help with a branding? You know, can I come out and, you know, help you move cattle? You know, can I come out and, you know, maybe just shadow and learn. And, and so a lot of it is just, you know, reading and watching and, you know, getting out and not being afraid to ask questions and being humble enough to say, I don't know, but I want to learn. And uh, then I think, you know, everybody in the agriculture community would love to see more and more people understand more. And so when, People will take the time to ask those questions and want to learn. People will embrace that and and, and let them in. So a lot of things are are not as textbooky. They're they're those real life experiences. You know, we had a program, Walk Them All In My Boots. and, And that's what it is. You know, I need to truly walk them all in my boots to understand, you know, in the life of what you do each day. And I've never had anybody come out of an experience like that saying, didn't learn a thing still feel the same way it's like usually it's like oh my gosh what an eye-opener it is for me you know because i i didn't know really what it took you know to to truly operate a working cattle ranch and just the compassion around all of the animals in the land and you know the family oriented piece of all of that and you know it really gets people excited so i think a lot of it is on the job training it's those shadows, it's that willingness to be you know curious and and you know keep you know just diving in the deep end with all of it
0: <laughs> Well it, it, it sounds like and you know correct me if I'm wrong but we uh, we don't want to leave our leave the things that we learned in our in, in the time we were in kindergarten and early socialization about how we build relationships at the at the door when we when we uh, enter enter this profession those skills still, have a very important place don't they
1: indeed indeed yeah a lot of those things uh we did learn in kindergarten we just kind of freed out a lot of them
0: <laughs> yeah so uh you know i i uh, in, in my view you're you're recognized uh, as a as a thought leader when it comes to voluntary conservation both in the west and across the country given given your broad experience uh and you know uh, it is really a, it's an approach when you talk about voluntary community-based collaborative conservation that is, that is at least I would argue, uh, unique to some of the, some of the other ways that we have traditionally, or, or, uh, people think about practicing conservation. Uh, what do you think the future has in store for that approach? Where are we going? Is it, is it on the ascendancy? Is it, is it becoming passe? Where, where do you think Uh, collaborative conservation is going to be 10 years from now.
1: Well, I tell you what, I think it's just doing nothing but growing. You know, I get so excited about that. You know, I've had a few friends say, you know, oh, it's just too slow. It's not really happening. I'm only seeing a little pocket and a little pocket there. I said, well, maybe I'm just a cup is half full kind of a person that's a total optimist. Well, I'll own that. But I just see more and more of that happening. Um, all over the West and across the across the nation. And part of it comes from some of the great collaboratives that have um, been around for for 30 years, and other people are recognizing the success in that approach, and they're really embracing it and those big collaboratives are saying come on out, you know, come on out and and shadow us will show you kind of what we're doing and then you have that transferability. those great ideas and then it's being replicated in other places and then they start to see that success and say wow you know this is really the way to go and then other people start seeing that and it just kind of keeps building out so i'm really excited about the future and i think that that is where we're going is a lot more community-based landscape scale landowner driven you know collaborators that are that are springing up you know it's it's too hard to go out alone we gotta all be together, like bringing as many people into the tent as we can, finding those magic people, being one of those magic people, and, and really like, you know, spreading and replicating, you know, these great ideas and, and building and them across the country. And I think, you know, right now, you know, it's a very divisive um, place that we are in the country, but I don't see that in agriculture and I don't see that in uh, conservation community. I see those two communities leading the nation and um, getting away from that divisiveness and demonstrating that collaboration is how we're going to get there, not only with this, but other things. But it's certainly going to be demonstrated through the agriculture community, working with the conservation community, doing collaborative conservation on landscape scale, and demonstrating that that's the the wave of the future. And it's uh, really pretty impressive what's going on here um, across the entire nation. So I get excited. Um, Obviously, you can tell and get excited about this (laughs) because it's really where we need to be.
0: Well, that's great. Well, before we close, there, you know, uh, I I want to extend a a big thank you, public thank you, from from Partnerscapes as an organization and and uh, landowners and practitioners all around the country who are uh, continue to get things done together, even uh, even when larger uh, larger society seems to be uh, trending in the other direction. A, a big thank you for for all that you've that you've done uh in your career. I know you're not gonna be uh you're not gonna be uh, sitting around uh on the on the couch watching TV all day. I'm sure that we're gonna we're gonna see you uh in the future uh still uh still being excited about uh the opportunities of for partnership and the things that can can get done. Is there is there anything, any anything that uh, I haven't asked you about that you would like to share with folks that are that are interested in collaborative conservation, or maybe make either either as a something for their communities or something uh, something as a as a career? If we're if we're reaching some younger listeners that are really passionate about wanting to to be involved in something like this.
1: Well, thank you, Steve. Yeah, I just, you know, first I just want to thank, you know, Partnerscapes and, you know, all of, the, all of what you've done um, for me. I mean, you have blessed my life um, more than I deserve <laughs> by far. And I just really can't thank you enough, your, your whole organization, all the landowners, um, for how much you've touched my life. And, you know, I'm a phone call away. So that's it. I'm retiring from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. But like I said, I've done collaborative conservation, um, worked with communities my entire life and I don't intend to change. I'm going back home. Um, I might be getting, you know, pretty local in terms of some of the things that I'm working on, but I'm also a phone call away and uh, anything people need. I want to be a resource for people. I want to help where I can and I'm just uh, so excited for the next chapter. This has been so wonderful, um, but I know this next chapter that I'm entering into is going to be um, exciting as well. And, and we're not going to be saying goodbye. We're just going to be saying hello to yet another um, different pasture, maybe not greener, but maybe it is going to be a greener pasture, but certainly going to be a great experience. And, and I just want to thank you so much.
0: You bet. You bet. Thank you. And we'll, I'm sure there'll be a number of us, uh, beating a path to your door in Laramie, uh, Heather, thank you for the time today. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure a lot of folks will, will, uh, pick up some, some nuggets from our conversation. And I had a, a really good time talking with you and, uh, maybe we'll check back in here in a couple of years and see what you're up, up to in your, in, in your new, uh, in your new role or new life in Laramie, but thank you for, for your time today.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Steve. This has been so much fun doing this podcast today.
0: Great. Great. Thank you. Podcast listeners. Uh, uh, we'll be having, uh, uh, another episode where we're, we're going to try to strive for, for, uh, one a month here in 2022. So wish us luck and, uh, hope, hope you find these, uh, useful and enjoyable. So, uh, thanks everybody for listening in.